listening to the Bahai World News Service, reporting on major developments and endeavors of the global Bahai community. For more information, visit news.bahai.org. In the last 20 years, remarkable strides have been achieved in providing access to education for children around the world. However, research in the field of education is showing that increased schooling has not automatically led to increased learning. The United Nations estimates that 250 million children are not able to read, write or perform basic maths, whether they have been to school or not. Seeking to address what it calls a learning crisis, the Brookings Institution, a major think tank in the United States, started an initiative called Millions Learning. Brookings' goal was to find interventions in education that have improved learning outcomes and, though they may have started small, have been scaled up in size and implemented in other settings. One of the programmes featured in the report is a Baha'i-inspired initiative called SAT, which stands for its Spanish title Sistema de Aprendizaje Tutorial, or the Tutorial Learning System. SAT is a rural education programme that encourages social and economic development. It bridges theory with practice by linking classroom work with practical projects, like encouraging students to learn mathematics and science in the context of growing vegetables, or using their language abilities to start small study groups to promote literacy. Since its beginnings in the 1970s in Colombia, SAT has expanded across Latin America to reach more than 300,000 students. It has been accredited and recognised by a number of governments. According to Brookings, SAT is catalyzing an education revolution by transforming how education is conceptualised, designed and delivered. Jenny Perlman Robinson, the author of the report for Brookings, spoke with Erin Murphy-Graham, Professor of Education at the University of California, Berkeley, about the SAT programme and what makes it groundbreaking. Jenny, first I want to thank you so much for your willingness to speak with me about the Millions Learning Project of the Brookings Institution and in particular about uh, the case study on the Sistema de Aprendizaje Tutorial program or the SAT program. I wanted you to start by telling us why Brookings decided to launch Millions Learning. And in particular, I'm curious if it's linked to the earlier research and work that Brookings has done around the notion of the learning crisis or new research that uh, we're doing something wrong in, in the field of international education because children aren't learning in school. Yeah, in terms of, you know, why did we decide to launch Millions Learning? We really started the project a number of years back, and it was at a time when the global community was having conversations around what would replace our current, at the time, the current global development goals. That There were a set of Millennium Development Goals that um, all countries had agreed to, to, to end poverty and to promote sustainable development, and education at the time was one of those, one of those eight. Um, you know, on paper... 
education looks like, and in many ways has been, a, a remarkable scaling success story. Um, when it comes to um, access, when it comes to enrollment, you know, getting children into school, that has been incredibly successful. In, in the 1950s, we had worldwide only five out of 10 children, a primary school age, that were actually in school. And that number today is much closer to nine out of 10. So it's really been this, you know, sort of remarkable, in many ways, um, scaling story. Um, however, what has become abundantly clear, and as you said, the sort of learning crisis is that what we know is that the mere act of going to school does not necessarily translate into learning. And that in fact, you know, more and more we're seeing, um, you know, the numbers coming out, just shocking numbers of children who are not meeting just very basic developmental um, or cognitive milestones. And, and you know, what's, what's absolutely criminal for many of those children is they've actually been in school, that many have spent at least four years in school and they're not able to, you know, for example, read basic, you know, single words. And so that leads us to millions learning. I know, sorry, that's a, sort of a, a, a long-winded backdrop to why we did this study. But the question really that we had at the Center for Universal Education at Brookings, which is, you know, how can we identify where have we seen large-scale progress in both access and learning, and can we identify what have been some of the drivers or factors behind that, pro behind that progress so that we can help to hopefully share that with and help to inform others that are right as well concerned about this, you know, policymakers, those who sit within ministries of education, um, um, funders, um, you know, certainly those who are running programs, practitioners, teachers, parents, you know, how can we share what we have, you know, gleaned from those examples from around the world where in fact we are seeing progress and, and much more rapid progress on both fronts. So I'm curious about and wanted to follow up on the notion of SAT being uh, a sort of revolutionary in terms of secondary education. Uh, there's the notion in your case study that SAT is um, catalyzing an educational revolution. Yeah, I think the, the, the principles behind SAT and um, the way it's been conceived and designed um, and implemented are absolutely integral to SAT success and really, I think, drives every aspect of it. I mean, that's what really struck me upon learning more about the SAT model and approach was that really these concepts of, re of respect, of responsibility, of social justice, of empowerment, the sort of, you know, people-centered development is really at the core of, of SAT and really um, is integrated in all aspects of it from, from the structure, from the the, the, the teaching um, from the learning process. So I think that's um, really a central aspect of what we learned. And I think for SAT, what was interesting about that is it certainly wasn't, you know, one particular part of its textbook or one particular aspect of the model, um, but it really was the philosophy. It was, you know, again, this really people-centered philosophy um, that young people should be the engines of sustainable development in their communities. And that's the piece that we saw as being the core component or the non-negotiable, if you will, that, um, that was replicated across context. And that really, I think, you know, was in very much driving the outcomes um, that we've seen. One other thing that I'm curious about is the fact that SAT has a somewhat different philosophy around the role of knowledge in uh, sparking the development 
process. So there's a strong emphasis on SAT in the generation of knowledge, in the application of knowledge, in the need to have relevant knowledge. Um, and that kind of discourse around knowledge is, is somewhat different from the way in which um, traditional education programs, uh, how they speak about how they conceptualize knowledge. Um, sometimes we see it articulated simply as, um, you know, performance on uh, standardized tests, for example. So I'm curious to what extent you think that this uh, philosophy of knowledge is one of the features of the program that makes it revolutionary. I mean, first of all, SAT, you know, as you know very well, Aaron, is not a typical school model, right, that we've seen, um, you know, from the very beginning, right? I mean, how it's been conceived, how it's been designed and delivered. It was really about, you know, rural participatory development um, and that education was very much sort of the vehicle by which to achieve it. And, and I think you see that again in every aspect of it. Um, and it becomes in that respect, I think, in many ways, radically different from the traditional sort of secondary school, high school model. Um, and, you know, I think as I was we were working on with my co-author, Christina Kwok, the, the SAT case study that we did. Um, I reflected on how um, cutting edge it is in so many ways. I mean, for example, this sort of focus of SAT on skills that are beyond the sort of traditional academic skills, um, but really focusing on sort of moral and character development. I mean, that's a huge trend here in the United States and elsewhere, and a much more recent trend, right? The sort of acknowledgement that character skills, that grit, perseverance, resilience, you know, self-control, um, that all of these skills in, in children are seen as incredibly important predictors of success later in life, beyond the sort of, you know, just core cognitive academic, academic skills that have currently been the focus Focus, historically been the focus, I should say, of, of schooling. And so this is something that SAT has, you know, has been part of its DNA from the very beginning when it started in the late 1970s, that, you know, learning is conceived as something that, again, that's much broader, um, that I think is something that's very, you know, interesting and unique. I think it really struck me um, visiting SAT in Honduras and, and speaking with SAT, you know, in Nicaragua and, Fun and, and Fundayac in Colombia and, and reading, you know, research and documentations is that, you know, its teaching is really not confined um, to the walls of the classroom or, or the trees where it's being, where it's being um, taught, but it's really looking to instill in students the sort of the skills, the confidence, the voice to be active change agents in their communities. And that there it's sort of, again, the sort of notion that it's playing this uh, multiplier effect in its community. Um, and, and, you know, an example of that, I think, is the notion of community service, that SAT is not, you know, for SAT, um, community service isn't sort of seen as sort of an add-on to, to the teaching, to the learning experience or an extracurricular activity, but it's very much part of the core curriculum. And then finally... I wanted to ask you uh, to reflect a bit about your own personal experience visiting SAT in Honduras um, and the extent to which your opportunity to interact with students in the program, with tutors in the program, um, with individuals who are day in uh, and day out working with the SAT program. What, if anything, from your visit has stayed with you as a memorable experience from your visit to SAT in Honduras? 
Yeah, I, I would say, Erin, first of all, just having the opportunity to visit a SAT program um, on the ground, as I did in Honduras, was tremendous. Um, you know, you can be, as I was, incredibly impressed by um, an initiative when you read about it, when you when you look at the data, um, when you interview folks, but to really be able to see it in action and really be able to witness, um, you know, impact firsthand, that's, that's something else. So it Overall, it was just, um, yeah, an extraordinary experience. I, I would say one thing that really stuck with me and something that I think is, again, quite unique um, and impactful about SAT is the relationship between um, the teachers that are known as tutors in the SAT model and the students. And I think that is something that, you know, is is quite, um, again, unique and, and is also, I think, really responsible for a lot of the impact that we've seen. And, you know, in so many countries around the world, you see this really sort of rigid hierarchy between teachers and students where, you know, teachers are feared in some cases, even, you know, to a greater extreme, they might be walking around with their, with their, with their uh, switch in their hand. Um, but, but, you know, what you saw in the SAT centers and what you saw between the tu tutors and, t and students were really the sense of mutual respect and trust that the tutors came from the local communities, that they really were part of the community, and they really developed a relationship with the students based on the fact that as it was structured, it wasn't as though teachers were there to sort of impart knowledge on the students, right? But that they were really there to sort of guide this sort of learning process, this learning journey. And it was a process that they were going through with the students in many ways. And I think that, you know, was something that really stayed, stayed with me. Um, you know, and again, I think it's very much speaks to, I think one of the reasons that's been so effective in, in its mission to improve, you know, the well-being of, of these communities. Jenny, I want to thank you so much for your time this afternoon and for your work at Brookings and in particular your work on the Millions Learning Case Study on the SAT program. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Erin.